Welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast with today's guest who's collaborating with fellow T1D parents searching for answers, Kayla Mattingly. If you're new to the show, welcome and thanks for stopping by. My name is Amber Kluwer and I enjoy sharing my story and those of other people living their best life with this disease. And it's the very reason I created Diabetes Daily Grind and host this, the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. Kayla's story is one I couldn't pass up for obvious reasons. She's been dealt an unusual autoimmune disease hand and is working diligently to get answers alongside a handful of other families who understand the struggle. I really hope this episode inspires the medical community to get involved because they need your help. But before we get started, I have a few quick announcements. Number one, the Diabetes Daily Grind is a nonprofit organization. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. It's easy. Just click on the donate link in the show notes. Number two, my affiliate page features reputable brands and services that make life with diabetes a more pleasant one. You can find all the deals at diabetesdailygrind.com. And finally, stay engaged. Love, like, share, and comment on all things social media. Sign up for the e-newsletter. Leave an iTunes review. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and click on the Amazon banner on the website before ordering. It doesn't cost you a thing and throws a little change my way. All right, let's get started. All right, Kayla, welcome to the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. And I want to say to the listeners right off the bat, this was a very impromptu situation. So I'm going to stumble through this a little bit. But when I learned about her story, a mutual friend connected us. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine A, having a kid with diabetes, B, two kids with diabetes, and then having an insulin allergy or sensitivity, which we'll get into here in a second. So Kayla, where are you calling in from? Hi, I'm calling in from Orion, Missouri. All right. Small town. Small town. Small town, USA. Yes. What brought you there? Just out of curiosity. Born and raised. So oh, nothing right. in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to say, cause we were just talking about this, like I'm back in my hometown and born and raised of Norman, Oklahoma. And so it's anywho, not a small <laughs> town by any means, but I get, it's weird to go back home, I guess. So why this story is so important. I want to start with, there's so many layers here. And again, stumbling through this a little bit, you were blessed with four children. Yes. All boys. All boys. Yay. <laughs> I love, yeah. We didn't find out if we were having a boy or a girl with the last two. We didn't really care, but it, we just, we were blessed with boys. So I am all a boy mom through and through. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I'm one of three girls and just, yeah. So my dad, bless his heart. Anywho. Okay. So your oldest son, Baker? Yep. Correct. Baker. Baker was diagnosed with type one diabetes under the age of 18 months, correct? Correct. Yeah. His symptoms started showing prior to that, but I was not familiar with the symptoms of diabetes. And he went into full-blown DKA before diagnosis, unfortunately. Okay. So you get him, I mean, do you take him to the pediatrician? Is everybody worried? And then it was like, bam, his blood sugar is 800. How'd it go? Yeah. I had several calls in to the pediatrician because he was randomly just puking. That was like the first symptom. You know, I kind of kicked myself for this a lot, but I did not tell the doctor ever about his, his, the amount of urine with his, with his diapers and the amount of diaper changes and peeing through the diapers overnight. But he was my first son. Um, I was younger. I was like, you know, 24, 23, 24, just didn't know. People said, Oh, boys, they pee out of their diapers. Sometimes if things aren't pointed correctly, (laughs) you you know, I was just like doubling the diapers, all, all kinds of things. And it never crossed my mind to tell my doctor. However, he was very sick. He stopped. We, I said, did several calls. They kept saying, Oh, he would probably toddlers. They just, they throw up and they cry, you know, when they cry too hard or different Mm -hmm. things happened. Well, finally we took him to the doctor three times in one week because he couldn't walk and nothing was 
done until I finally, we took them back home. They gave them an antibacterial shot and they were like, you need to give it 20, 48 hours to work. Well, the next day, I mean, he was completely lethargic, completely lethargic in my arms, refusing to eat or drink. And I knew like it was a life or death. I mean, situation, you know, as a mom, yeah. when things are not looking good. So yeah, took him in. They finally did blood work. I was, they actually told me to go home because we had an ice storm coming. They're like, we'll do some blood work. We'll call you if you need to come back. I'm like, I am not leaving here. <laughs> so yeah, especially with an ice storm, because if, if, if you're not familiar with these part, this part of the country, like an ice storm means in some communities you shut down. There is no Correct. travel. Yeah. Correct. So when he was diagnosed, they tried to call Aerie back to St. Louis. It's my nearest <sighs> you know, big, big city children's hospital. They could not get Aerie back or ambulance to St. Louis. So we actually had to go to Le Bonheur in Memphis. And it took, it was probably like a four to five hour um, ambulance ride because it was so icy. Oh my Lord. Yeah. There's a past guest and I'm just going to say this. So you, my friend, my friend, Carrie Hicks, who's a state representative here. She, her story is very similar. Horrible time to get a kid diagnosed is, I mean, that's a no brainer, but the travel they had to transport her son in the middle of an ice storm hours. And then of course you're anywho, stressed about so many things. So that's Baker. That's son number one diagnosed. That's number one. Correct. Yeah. And, and I honestly, and I say this over and over, I was relieved when they said he had diabetes relieved. Right. And that's so sad now that I look back, but I just was, it was the unknown, right? I knew people lived with diabetes and I thought if it were cancer or some other horrible thing, he would die. That just, that's what my yeah. mindset was at that time. Unbeknownst to me, what diabetes life was really like. So Right. Okay. So kid number one diagnosis, then you have a second son, Sadler. Sadler. Yes. He was only five months old when Baker was diagnosed. They're only 13 months apart. So we, you know, we had a a little baby, a toddler with diabetes. It was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Cannot imagine. Like I don't have children and I, I can barely babysit my, you know, whatever. That's a lot. (laughs) lot, Yes. And so then you have Thatcher. Yes things kind of, we got the groove of diabetes. We, so from the get-go too, I do want to say we, we always wanted a big family. My husband and I, I came from a family with uh, three other siblings. So there's four of us total. And that was just kind of in our plan. And you know, people are like, don't let diabetes stop you. Don't, you know, don't let it ruin yeah. your, your life plans. And it, what I was like, I'm not going to let it stop what we truly want in life. You know, we've got this. So we have little Thatcher. He was born healthy no issues there. And then right around his, right after his first birthday, he kind of started peeing through his diapers at night just a couple of times really. And I, I was like, no, this is not, he's, this is just a boy thing. You know, this is not really right. happening. Checked his fasting sugar and he would be fine. I mean, I think he was like 99 the first day. And the second day I test him, he was like 112. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ugh. but then, you know, there's meter variants and there's, yeah. you know, like different factors. And so I tried to brush it off. So he had a regular normal breakfast. I will never forget. It, it has a whole grain waffle, blueberries, and like two ounces of whole milk. I checked his sugar and he was 299 about like, an hour after that. I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go again. And I checked for ketones. He was negative. So I knew we were catching it early. I knew he wasn't in DKA or anything like that, but I knew, I knew that it was diabetes. And, and again, called local pediatrician. They said, oh, it must've been the syrup causing his high sugar. I said, I didn't give him any syrup. And regardless, if I did give him syrup, his body should be able to, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. I want to backtrack just for a second. So mm-hmm. with, with Baker now a couple of years into diabetes, what insulin therapy was he using at the time? He was on injections. Okay. MDI. Mm-hmm. And you were, I'm not going to say comfortable with that, but were you administering everything or me? And my, I actually worked full time during that time. So my mom was actually doing most of his diabetes day, care during the day, but yeah, me, my husband and my mom were the main three 
hands-on people with Baker. Comfortable? No. I mean, I, honestly, his first few years of diabetes before Thatcher kind of came along with diabetes too, I followed the rule book, you know, 15 yeah. carbs. If you're below, give him 15 carbs, if they're below hundred at night, well, he'd be 99. I was like, oh, I have to give him 15 carbs, you know? And so yeah. his sugars were just a roller coaster. I quickly learned, I kind of feel bad because I just didn't do a lot of research myself. I just trusted the medical community, the medical community, right? What I was told 15 carbs, check again, 15 minutes, all that. But no, you know, no, I'm not saying this for everybody, but my toddlers did not need 15 carbs to come up. So here's the thing with that too. And I always say this, no disrespect to the medical community, right. at all, but they're given a protocol. And I mean, but that doesn't work for all of us. No, and I say almost in every episode, we're all diagnosed with the same disease, but our management is very different. And it's our responsibility as a parent or a patient to... I'm going to say do our own research, but I'm going to say test the boundaries because that, that sounds, you advocate yourself. Yeah, you have to. And there really should be a test on what your, how carbs impact you. And that should be noted in your chart and then better direction given. That's my opinion. Yeah. I mean, a toddler getting 15 carbs, just depending on the type of carb, especially you're looking at four and 500 blood sugars. Wow. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to go. I mean, nobody wants a blood sugar that high because you feel like crap, but especially at night, like you're not going to get a good night's rest. And oh man, that's okay. So moving, moving on. So Thatcher is now diagnosed with type one diabetes, not in DKA, thankfully. Yep. And uh, you knew what was going on. <laughs> I did. I uh, made sure he wasn't obviously in DKA. And it was later that evening, whenever I continued to check his sugars throughout the day, just praying it was a fluke. Washed his hands several times, you know, yeah. for a little time. I was like, no way, this cannot be happening. But I knew he needed to go. So the next day we made the trek up to St. Louis Children's. That's where we go for care. Love our medical team there. And honestly, he was given a glucose tolerance test like you do when you're pregnant uh, and he failed it. And his A1C was only 5.7. They did the, the antibody testing and it came back positive. So we knew. It wasn't that day that it came back positive, but within a couple of days, he, he didn't go on insulin, I think for two weeks. Then we started on a long acting, or I'm sorry, we did a short acting first. And then we did long acting about a month into it. I mean, I don't know, because I can't imagine this, but seeing his brother do all this, was he like, okay, or... You know, they're so little at the time. I mean, 14 months is, they're barely walking. I mean, <laughs> just like, he didn't know what was going on. I and mean, he didn't really, he didn't like it, but he didn't, he didn't mind it either. He'd bust during a shot, but that'd be about it. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you what, feeding a toddler, like blueberries, you're trying to count carbs and they squish them up and throw them on the floor. And you're like, I don't know how many carbs for that one. Oh my God, I cannot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. Oh, okay. half of it, you lift them out of the high chair and half the food falls out of their lap. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, during this, okay, so now with Thatcher being diagnosed, are you worried about Sadler's? So did you oh. then have the genetic testing for that? We did the, we did the trial net testing. Yeah. I'm not sure if you're familiar. So we did oh, trial yeah. net testing with him. He was negative, which I know that's great news, but it doesn't mean that it's forever. I mean, he could be diagnosed at any time. We're well aware of that. I will say, I mean, this is just my own hunch. He looks different than his brothers. Baker and Thatcher look more similar. I uh, have a lot of the same features, whereas my Sadler looks, he just has a different look. He's on a different side of our family, it looks like. So I'm, I'm just maybe hoping that it skips him. <laughs> I mean, fingers crossed on that. And that's crazy. Okay, now your yeah. youngest son, what's his name? His name's Collier. Collier, are we worried at all? Or are we testing? I am worried. I don't, I, you know, we discuss this thoroughly before having Collier. I mean, it weighed on my heart heavily, but I don't know. I just, there was a, I literally felt called to have him. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. 
I just did not feel done. I would cry myself to sleep at night. I just didn't feel done. You know, that wasn't my plan. It wasn't our plans. And I don't know. I just felt like he was meant to be. And I truly still believe that today he's perfect in every way, diabetes or not. So we, my husband and I made the decision to to have him. So no, I am worried. You know, he's going to be one in a couple of weeks. That's around the age that yeah. Baker and Thatcher were diagnosed. So yeah, to say that my, uh, my guard is up. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm fully prepared. I say that it'll suck if it happens. I'm sorry, my language, but um, yeah, you can curse on this. I'm, I'm, prepared. I'm prepared. And the fact that I know it could be coming, but I know that it would not be, I would not, it's not ideal. <laughs> um, but we are, we are going to do trial net testing on him. So I'm getting that in the works. Okay. Now here's something that in reading a little bit more about you, and I really appreciate you talking about these things because we are all addressing the fact that mental health is a big part of life with diabetes, but also for our family and and especially our siblings. I never knew that my sisters, because I was diagnosed at age eight, I have an older sister and a younger sister. And the ripple effect that my diagnosis had on them over my whole time in my, while I was in the house with my parents and sisters, it greatly affected them. And so you talk about the fact that you, tell me about how you help Sadler with being the only kid without diabetes, because I'm sure time spent managing takes away from his, his time with you. I am so glad that you touched on this, honestly, and this was not playing people. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) glad that you touched on this because it is probably, it makes me want to cry. It is the hardest thing to navigate, making him feel special and loved and because he's he feels so different. He wants diabetes. I mean, he doesn't know any different, but he just he's like, I wish I had it. I wish I had it. And I'm like, no, you don't, buddy. And I know one day he will realize that. I I do think, but it's very, very hard to navigate. We try to keep him a part of it. And we we have like di- uh, family diabetes meetings where we say, everybody, tell me how you feel about diabetes. How is it affecting you? And sometimes we just cry as a whole family. I mean, truly, that sounds sad. And I don't we don't let it get us down. We just like cry it out and move on. But for him, so like this summer, he's only eight, but we let him, he picked a camp. It's an animal science camp and he went to it for a week. You know, try to try to get him things that, that are just for him to make him feel special, things that he can share with us and that we appreciate from, about him. So I really try to find those strengths. He is so confident and social and I don't want any of my fears to hinder him. Yeah. I didn't want to go to camp, especially like during COVID and all that stuff. But he, yeah. oh, he went and he, he's just came back. Amazing little boy. Like I'm so proud of him, but. No, you're exactly right. I mean, he is, he feels the impact already and he lets me know. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> well, and okay, something else with that too. Let's, and I hadn't planned on this, but let's touch on COVID. And there's so many things we can say about this, but as someone who was immediately in the highest category, especially having diabetes for so long, hardcore quarantine, I'm fully vaccinated. I take, I've taken this very seriously. Your children are, and I'm not, whether you vaccinate or not, that's none of my business, but having two children that are high risk, what did you do? Keep everybody at home all the time? I don't wish parenting in 2020 to 2021 on anybody. It has been the hardest thing. And I truly do respect everybody's decision. For us, my pregnancy with Collier was very high risk. I almost lost my life to have him. And so we knew he was going to be born prematurely. We knew early on that he was going to be. So we knew we had two diabetics, right? We knew that Factor is being treated with methotrexate, which we'll touch on that, I'm sure, later. And so, and we knew we were having a premature baby. So we homeschooled last year. And and honestly, we, and especially with how things are looking this year, it has been a high contender on my list. But also due to COVID, my husband was laid off from his job. October or November 1st of last year, did not start working again until June. So I did have to go back to work full-time. 
and I'm currently working full time, but I am virtual from home, which I'm so blessed. But no, I mean, that, so that's been a big issue with us right now is what do we do with school? And yeah, it, that's, it's, it's very hard, but we did homeschool. We've basically, we have not contracted it. I don't, I'm knocking on wood because I, I truly, you know, I know it can happen no matter how careful you are, but that's what we've done. We've, we've kept them home, honestly. Yeah. So uh, for camp, literally that was like the big thing that, and that letting him go to camp. So it was hard. It was very hard, but he is, like I said, so Sadler, he's so social. He really was mentally needing an oh, out. Yeah. So it's, how do you balance that? How do you balance their mental health and COVID and quarantine and all of it? I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, like, I don't know how you're still like, you're not standing right now, but I would have been. I, I would, oh, and we're building a house. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just lay it on. We're building a house too right now. So it's <laughs> yeah, during COVID, it's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I want to get into, okay, so Thatcher unfortunately has a very rare condition. I mean, type one diabetes is not common, period. Right. So let's talk about, you started realizing through, so Thatcher was on an insulin pump, correct? Well, so I'm going to kind of backtrack a little bit. Yeah, please. He initially started on injections. Okay. Uh, he was on Humalog and Lantus initially. And then let's see, that was in 2000. So he was diagnosed in 2016, 2018 rolled around and Baker was getting ready to start pumping. And the T-Slim had come out with like really small, gosh, I'm going to say it wrong. The really small boluses, I think it's like 0.05 or 0.05 boluses amounts, which is perfect for a little baby. And so I was like, I really think we can control him better, you know, with, with the pump. So we, in November, Baker started the pump in November of 18 and Thatcher in December of 18. We started him a month apart just to kind of work through all the initial setup. Sure. And things were okay until around February. And I noticed like his first, the pump sites were getting hard, hot knots, pus pouring out within about 24 hours. You know, I was like, what the heck? Baker wasn't doing that. So I'm like, okay, maybe maybe it's, you know, maybe he just got an infection that happens. I mean, yes possibility. So change of site. It wasn't every single pump site. It was not, it was every few, but it slowly started becoming every single pump site. Every time I thought perhaps I carried MRSA, uh, yeah. MRSA, just, I wasn't sure, but I started, I mean, he was, we, I would talk to the endo team. We would give him baths and hibiclins the day of a site change, just like really thoroughly clean him. Alcohol swab, of course, I was wearing gloves and a mask and it still was happening. Right. So I'm racking my brain thinking, why? You're literally going through a checklist through all this. Like, yeah. let's try this, let's do this. And so then we're thinking, okay, surely it's not the insulin or even our endocrine team. Surely it's not the insulin. It's probably, you know, an allergy to the cannula, but it could be the insulin. Let's switch to Novolog. Okay, so we switched to Novolog, same scenario. Mm. So from February till May, we were doing, we did, we tried different, in, those two insulins, Chemolog and Novolog in the pump. We then stopped that. We tried the Medtronic iPort. I'm not sure if, if you're familiar with that product. Yeah. Didn't work. In May of, of that year, he ended up having a seizure. And yeah, he, it was awful. It lasted eight minutes long. And I said, I'm done pumping. So his sugars would get to like 500. He, he would be having ketones, you know, fully not absorbing insulin, obviously, within 24 hours of a pump site. So I said, I'm done. I told my endo team, I said, I'm not putting him through this anymore. I'm done testing this crap. <laughs> I'm yeah. done. Mom's hands up in the air. I'm done. So finally we did shots. I'm like, okay, we're just going to do injections. I'm done with the pump. And it took me a little bit to catch on 
that because it was summer, you know, start of summer, yeah. that these welts were not mosquito bites where we were giving injections, injections uh, on the back of his arms, the legs, you know, love handles. But I honestly didn't notice it at first because I wasn't looking for anything. I truly just was oblivious. And then I told my husband, I'll never forget, we were on a trip to Chicago for, with a family vacation. And I said, oh my God, where I gave him a shot this morning, that's where he's reacting. I've been watching it. And he's like, no, 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 no. I said, yes, yes, it is. I go, I'm not crazy. So we called the endo team. You know, they're like, really, let's switch back to Novolog, our Humalogs. You know, we did all the insulin switches. Then we did a, a PDRA, mm-hmm. tried a PDRA, didn't work. Uh, within two days, he reacted to that. Um, we did longer syringes, you know, like we went, well, he still was using eight millimeters up until uh, a couple weeks ago. Ah. Yeah. On a little, little bitty guy. But, but really, I want to really express this beyond the skin reactions, which to me during that time was nothing compared to the systematic reactions that were happening to him. He was not utilizing insulin correctly. So some weeks you could dose and dose and dose. It was like water his sugars, it didn't matter, be over 300. And then all of a sudden he would crash. He would go from needing four to five units of Lantus a day to nothing or a half a unit at max for like two weeks. Like it would be, you didn't have to bolus him for any meals. You didn't have to. And it would just, and I told the doctor something it's like, and I kept saying, it's a vicious cycle. This is a cycle. He's having his highs again. He's going to crash. And I don't know when that's going to happen. And he would, was so sensitive to insulin a half a unit, it, that's actually what caused him a seizure. He went with a half a unit of insulin. He went from 512 to 50 within like 20, 20, 30 minutes. And I'm going to say for the people, if you're listening, you probably have diabetes or you know somebody with diabetes. To have a blood sugar fluctuation at that level and that quickly, I mean, that's, they call it a diabetes hangover. There's, I mean, it takes days to recover from that. So bless his heart and a seizure was just inevitable. I mean... Yeah. Oh, and I, so that's my push, right? So we go to the endo, we've tried everything. It was time to start test. We tested. I can go through all the testing. He, my gosh, he had patch testing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. Mm -mm. It's where they put a sticker on your back with all these little bitty squares and each square contained. Okay. And each square would hold uh, insulin or whatever you're testing, depending on your your choice. But so that was sent, that was with a dermatologist and I'm not going to say names, but it was somebody who's not familiar with diabetes, especially on a baby. And they put two units per insulin on my child's back. Yeah. So, <laughs> so mind you, like thinking Levamir, Bastaglar, Lantis. So that's like six units right there of on his back of long acting, Hemolog, Novolog, Epidra, all of them were on his back. And I said, can he, can he absorb that? Like, you know, is this a problem? Oh no, he'll be fine. Oh my no. gosh, it dropped. I mean, he probably. Oh, we were, and that was in St. Louis. It was not a pediatric hospital or anything like that. This was just the only doctor that we could get into to do patch testing. So no, he crashed. I was sitting in the hospital parking lot in my right outside my hometown in Cape Girardeau, crying, holding him, giving him juice box after juice box, thinking, "Oh my God, should I go in? Or I don't know what to do." Nobody knows his condition. Nobody knows what's going on. And I was scared they were going to ship us right back to the hospital in St. Louis. And anyway, he got through it, but he did not need insulin for two days. I mean, that's some crazy stuff right there. Yeah. So that's the first, that was like testing there. So we did that testing. Mind you, we did test the different length syringes, all the different insulins. We did saline pump trials and saline injections, no reaction. Okay. So that proved that the pump materials were not the problem. Correct. And I was pumping saline like crazy just to see if it was the amount or anything. We were doing like six unit boluses just to see like if it was anything in the pump, Uh, no reaction. 
everything looked perfect. So we knew it was time to start doing more thorough testing. So they did skin prick testing where they pricked the little forearm, his forearms. And then we switched to intradermal, which is a deeper injection, not it's intradermal injections yeah. with 0.001 units of insulin. Yeah. We also, what took so long to get this testing done was we also were getting uh, like the metacrystal, the glycerin, the zinc from, because I'm not sure if your viewers are aware that insulin has different preservatives and different ingredients to to keep it stable. So so a lot of the times that's what people are allergic to, right? It's not the insulin, it's it's an ingredient in the insulin. Well, he was negative for all ingredients, positive for all insulins, including humulin. I want to throw that out there too. They tried humulin. Okay, let me ask you this, and I don't know the correct terminology for it. So I was discussing this whole scenario. Okay, there's so many factors here. Well, I want to start with one. Insulin pump therapy is not cheap. So when you're going through all these, did your insurance pay for all this? Or were you guys paying out of pocket? Like, how did you manage that? They did. So because we had our, our endo, like I said, was amazing and, uh, and fighting for us and making sure we had enough sites and had enough di- and trying the different insulin. So we luckily were able to do that at, without any cost to us. She rocked it. So I'm very impressed with that. So that did not cause any burden, thankfully. Like the Apidra, we were given that to that from a, a Pedra rep. Yeah. They dropped it to us. So it was, they worked with us very much so. So thank That's you to great. that. Well, and yeah. I know that in no disrespect to the insulin pump c- companies or to insulin companies, period. I'm glad that people were able to step up to figure out what's going to be the best and let you guys go through all the options without an astronomical. Um, yeah. Our local tandem rep, Sarah, she even drove, we met halfway because I live two hours from St. Louis or a little over right. two hours. She drove and met us to give us a true steel infusion set too. That's great. I mean, yeah. that's good. So I can't really for. Yeah, right. Okay. So there was another question I had there and I lost it. Oh, Going back to he's allergic just to the insulin, not any of the additives or other things in there. So I was talking because I host a virtual happy hour every Thursday and I was sharing this story briefly with my crew and they're like flooded me with questions. And so one of the things that they asked was, have you tried, and I don't even know if they make it anymore, but like animal insulin, like pork or whatever. Well, that was brought to the table. That was brought to the table. The problem with that is typically you're more allergic to the animal insulin, which is why they created the insulin that we have today. Right. And secondly is the access to get it, right? It's right. not like I can just go to the pharmacy and pick that up. So why try him on something that I would not have availability, like no availability to me yeah. to withstand it. So um, they really didn't like that idea. That was kind of shot down pretty quick. That's interesting. Okay, and here's another question. And I've mm-hmm. used this product. What about inhalable insulin? Okay, it's not currently available to children his age, but I'm willing to bet he could be a part of a trial. Well, and I want to give a big shout out to Afreza. I don't know if you're talking about that specific yeah. one, but big shout out. They have actually reached out. The issue where we are right now is he's never had IV insulin. So they have no idea how he'd react, much less in the lungs, especially if it's something with a certain tissue, right? Like anything. Okay. Yeah. Since it could just be sub Q, but they're just not sure how the lungs would react as well. It could be catastrophic. So that's been the big, that's been the big, what if, I mean, and then also, you know, he reacts almost worse to long acting insulin. So then could a Freza be used for long acting and boluses? And then you also have to realize currently, and I, I, I know that they're looking into this right now, but right now it comes in four unit, unit increments, which is a really large amount for my son. I do know there's a way to like break that down for a smaller dose. It also happens to be absorbed really quickly, which I don't know, is a, it's probably a great thing, but it also can be a bad thing for a little guy. So there's been some pros and cons. I'm not letting that 
that's still, I guess, on the table. I guess yeah. you can say it's just a big decision to see it. Like our endo was not up for it. I'm going to be honest. Well, and I'm not giving, like I said, I'm not condemning the medical community, but a lot of, especially peed endocrinologists are not familiar with that because mm-hmm. we're comfortable with it because they're not, they, they can't prescribe it. I don't think at this time. Um, right. it's not, it was not FDA approved right. for pediatrics, but I do know they're going through the process now. Yeah. So it is in the process. Well, I, I look forward to hearing if and you do decide to do that or what other options are available because right now I just like, I, I can't even think of anything else because you've exhausted everything. Yeah. They, you know, they've been really wonderful to work with. I have to just give a big shout out because they have reached out. And the problem is just really ensuring nobody's really ready to see if he's allergic to insulin, yeah. IV, IV insulin. And that's, we're kind of late to the game to test that as well, because it's already on an immunosuppressant. So do we pull him off immunosuppressants? And what if he had the worst reaction? You know, it's just a really touchy thing to play. When you start mixing things up like this or trying new things, it almost can cause worse reactions. Absolutely. So you have to be really careful. Right now, where he's at with therapy, with the methotrexate, has helped the stability of insulin or the stability of his systematic insulin usage, I guess you could yeah. say. He's more stable. However, he still gets skin reactions. So we know it's not really suppressing it all the way. That's what's so scary. And that's why we're looking for help for future because we, so I don't know if you're familiar, but we do have other kids here in the United States with, with that has been through all the same testing, truly allergic to insulin. And there is a need for, for help, well, yeah. especially if they hit puberty and require more insulin. That's when things are getting scary. And I'm talking like looking at, tri- you know, pancreatic transplants. And that's not an answer. I know people throw that out there. Like it's so easy. It's not an answer because what happens if that is rejected, right? I am close friends with, Tiffany Reeves, her daughter, Emmy received a pancreatic transplant and it is successful right now. And we are so thankful that it is, but she has to have a backup plan. Yeah. It can happen anytime. Again, ignorance on my part, but even with a pancreatic transplant, if Mm -hmm. you are allergic to insulin, is it just injectable? I mean, like we, so that's the big, it's a a case by case scenario where I don't, we don't know. And we don't know if Thatcher would even be we don't know. Currently, he has a T cell attack on insulin itself. So we truly, which is that's what type one diabetes is in celiac. Yeah. It's a T cell response. But this is on on the insulin that's being injected into him. But is it just sub Q? Is it you know where does it stop? We don't know. That's what's that's what's scary, and that's what I'm trying to get across to people is yes. we there's the unknowns are terrifying. It's just really hard to think about his future. I mean, it really it is. Well, and again, I don't have children. I can't imagine because you, when you don't have answers and you really have tried, I mean, UV light therapy, steroid creams, Benadryl, all the things. And all so, things. I mean, like, so currently tell me he's on methotrexate. Correct. And mm-hmm. tell me what that does. It's actually at a certain amount given it's a chemo drug, but he's on the highest max he can get before it becomes like a chemo drug. So, because he could lose his hair mouth sores. I mean, that can all happen anyway, but so he's at the max dose that they will give him currently for this need. You know, it's not really used for this. So, but it is helping, which is great. Um, But it's just kind of like, we do have other families who have done the methotrexate and currently still using it, but it only, you know, the body finds its way around it after so long. So that's what's, that's, what's terrifying too. eventually. And obviously it already is. He still reacts with the skin at injection sites. So 
Ah, uh, just and like mm-hmm. I have hypersensitive skin, like it's crazy. And that, like, well, I won't. It's not about me, but I didn't really tie the two together. That diabetes was the culprit. Mm-hmm. And my thirty-eight years of living with diabetes, I no one ever pieced those together until recently. I love my new dermatologist, and she, I go to her, and I'm like, I've got this, this, and this, and she's like, Okay, this could be diabetes, or so. That's just it's so you're saying your, your skin reactions are due to diabetes. I think that I'm hypersensitive to certain things. Like I'm just going to say this and I've been talking about this a little bit on social media. Yeah. So I've cut out gluten for my diet for inflammation reasons. I've had the tests. I'm not allergic or even sensitive to it, but I know that I feel better when I'm not eating gluten. And to the point of, I probably shouldn't say this, but I had a few beers with a friend in town and the next day I got bit by a couple of mosquitoes and they whelped up the size of it. I mean, it's, you would look like I had a disease because my leg was so swollen. I have had plenty of mosquito bites this summer, but it was that little period of time to where I had other things in my body that my, it was reacting. So I'm taking personal notes as to, and not everybody's like that. Um, well, my two kids are. Baker and Thatcher are both extremely sensitive to the all adhesives, like Dexcom, their T-Slim infusion set. Oh, yeah. So... We have to use, I don't even want to say it out loud because I don't want people to buy them up because it's hard to, <laughs> hard to find. <laughs> it sounds awful, but we have to use a certain pad in between that are that becomes very hard to find at times. Yeah. There's like a black market for them. Seriously, they can be like $64 for a box of three every now and then. It's crazy. <laughs> so I don't tell you what it is, but they have to have them or they cannot utilize the pump or the Dexcom, which Thatcher is still allergic to this certain pad, just the least reactive. And we, so we just started pumping two weeks ago. He's on his fourth site with the methotrexate and he has not, it's hard to say he has nodules underneath the site within 48 hours and redness, but he's still utilizing insulin pretty well until that 48 hour mark. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, it's better than nothing. We did try prior to methotrexate in 2019 in November and he I mean, within 24 hours, throwing up, vomiting, high sugars, pus pouring out, which I did speak with the doctor and I don't think it's pus that's coming from his sites. I think it's some kind of like protein reactive thing to the insulin and the insulin turns yellow and liquidy and comes up right back out. Oh my gosh. That is so crazy. Like, well, it's good that they're patching those things together. I mean, really it's not pus. I mean, because that's a sign of infection. Right. And it's not infected. It's, it's his body rejecting the insulin. Oh my God. Bless his freaking heart. Yeah. Um, And he has delayed reactions too. So, you know, that's why it's not an immediate response. There's, I don't know if you're familiar with the different hypersensitivities, like a type one through four, you know, type one for your viewer or listeners is if you have a cat allergy and you hold a cat and you sneeze, that's a type one response. Or if you're anaphylaxis immediately, that's a type one response. And then Thatcher is a type four, which is a true, it's not really an allergy. It's, it's a, it's truly like an autoimmune attack on insulin itself. It's the, you know, auto, an allergy is autoimmune, but there's like a line that crosses when it's right. truly autoimmune where his body lets out these T cells and that T cell is saying insulin is bad. And then all of his little buddies come and attack it hours later. Yeah. Those little yep. buddies. I want to, yeah. Yeah. that's a a nice way to put it. I don't like those cells. (laughs) Okay. So one of the positive things and how we'll kind of wrap this up is that you and another group of women, you created a, tell me about this group. Oh gosh. I I didn't even know this. Okay. So insulin allergy and hypersensitivity awareness. Yes. I wouldn't have even known that the stage four or level four existed. So 
Oh, you know, throughout, thank God for Facebook and us connecting throughout the year. It started with Tiffany Reeves with Emmy, her daughter being allergic to insulin, having to get a pancreatic transplant. And then we have Jacqueline Smith and her son, Jack. They have been at Duke University. Then we have Michelle Camden King, who has Bailey, and they are seen at Boston Children's. We have been talking for several years, come across another mom. He's in the early stages of his insulin allergy testing, but Jessica Lowell and her little son, Oliver. So we have, there's, there's five of us total. And we finally have just all come together and realized that something more needs to be done. Our doctor, if it was not for these mothers guiding me, yeah, I wouldn't have had the diagnosis where we are today. I truly don't think we would. They guided me and told me where to push and what to test for and what they went through with their kids and you know where to go from here and help navigate that journey. And we want to be there for other parents. We really do think there are people out there, um, not just children, but adults too, who are truly allergic to insulin and suffering and nothing's being done because nobody knows about it. You're going to get so much pushback if you go to your endo team and ask, can I be allergic to insulin? No, there's no way. It's got to be the cannula. It's got to be the preservatives, which insulins are going to be fine. You can desensitize you. Well, that's not always true. I don't mean to get angry, but it's time that we stand up for our children and ourselves and, and start spreading awareness. So with the IAHA, we, we did develop, we just started a website for people to go to. It should be live this weekend. Um, telling our story, you know, they can reach out to us for help. And we actually have, this is not just like a mom thing. All of our medical teams are on board, all of them to help. So to communicate, we're trying just to find solutions. And that's really where we're at. And it's, I'm really proud of this. We can't believe we waited so long, but we've all been through hell and back, honestly. And you're yes. busy. My God, you've got four kids and you're working full yeah. time. Exactly. We didn't really, we just finally found the time where there was a, like a little lull in everybody's reactions for a hot minute where everything's kind of okay. When I say kind of, it means that the, the, the shoe could drop at any second and not be okay, right? Like just because doctor's semi-okay today does not mean his injections were still not hurting, does not mean that his lantus still wasn't reacting on his skin because it has been. Yeah. But he's better than he was at the time for the time being. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, all this information will be in the show notes, obviously, but what is the mm-hmm. name of the organization that you guys have created or well, how can they find you? It's IAHAawareness.org. That, that is great. I'm glad that you and taking a horrible situation, you're using mm-hmm. your advocacy, your voices and your experience to hopefully um, lessen the burden uh, for future people that might have this sensitivity. It's so. Yeah. And, and honestly, we encourage you to ask your medical team if they know anybody, please reach out to us. Like anybody, any doctor who wants to jump on board with this and find a solution for us, please. We, we, are, we would be more than open to, to having that discussion with any doctor. It doesn't have to be endocrinology. Think dermatology, rheumatology, any, any <laughs> realm of specialty that has to deal with this, immunology, allergy, all of it, please um, step up. We would be more than happy to hear your ideas, your thoughts, anything to try to find a solution for us. My wheels are turning big time mm-hmm. with that because the medical community is overwhelmed. They've got so much going on right now, especially with COVID. The right. patients, we're finding our voices and doing a better job of asking for what we need. But at both levels, we're exhausted, we're over-informed or under-informed or given information that is not necessarily correct. Right. Now, looking stuff, stuff up online is not always the best option, but with a site like this to where everybody's coming together to put everything together is, is a no brainer. And so kudos to you and all the other moms and dads that are, are doing this. And I'm thinking about like, I put out a newsletter every couple of months and I'm go- a medical community is big time in this newsletter. With that being said, I'm hoping that there will be a call to action and some people will step up 
because there are so many research institutes and foundations and grants that are available. So medical community, if you're listening, this might be something that you want to put some dollars into for real. Yes, because, and honestly, why not let this be the push? If you can help our kids, we can help all diabetics, right? I mean, let's let's push this. Insulin is not the answer. And I do want to say that and stress it. it it's amazing, an amazing hormone replacement that has got us by for a hundred years, right? But we, we are smarter than this. I know we are, and we can find an answer. It, it, I don't know what that answer is, but I have done a lot of research. <laughs> I need to go back to med school, done a lot of research. And I mean, we are open to ideas and anything to get around sub Q insulin would be beneficial to our children. So okay, let me ask you, this is my last question for real, I promise, mm-hmm. because I see like naturopathics, uh, you know, yeah. So I take a lot of supplements and I do things to help with gut health and things like that. Okay. So she just winked at me. He's like, yeah, I get it. Uh, So where are you in that path? Oh, so I mean, we definitely do a vitamin regimen. I've been a supplement person my whole life. My mom, my dad always let us. And so my children take supplements. Do But do I think that they can stop an autoimmune attack? I don't know because obviously we still have diabetes. So it's it's not that I'm opposed I'm not going to say I'm opposed to anything. I'm, I'm truly not. I weigh out everything, pros and cons on the table, always. Any suggestions? But I also am a, and I'm a believer. I'm on that fine line of modern medicine and natural yeah. resources. Obviously, my kids need insulin. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm on a fine line of that. And I, I truly re- like have, we always try both when we have illnesses or anything. We do, I let fevers run. I believe that fever is, has a purpose in the body, yeah. you know, there's, I, I'm a fine line of that, but so if anybody had any suggestions of that, you know, I don't want you all selling me all your products all the time, but <laughs> none yeah. of that. But if you truly think you have something on the table, I would consider it if it doesn't sound crazy off the wall. And for a six-year-old, mind you, too. Yeah, so. six-year-old that that makes it way more difficult. Yeah. But I do believe combining the traditional medicine and non-traditional. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunities there, and I hope to see those worlds kind of collide in the hopefully mm-hmm. while I'm still alive. Well. Kayla, I got to say, I'm so happy to connect with you. I'm so sorry for what you're going through, but I feel like your advocacy and the other people in this group are definitely going to change lives. And that's why I really wanted to get this story out as soon as possible. So if you're listening and you have any help, again, everything will be in the show notes. They can connect with you. We've got we've got all, all kinds of stuff. So don't be shy and please keep me posted. The good and the bad. Like I just want to see your whole family, obviously be happy and healthy, but Man, oh, thank you very much for for helping us speak out about this. It really is something that needs to be looked at. There needs to be funding for it or something. Not just the new PlayStation. I, that's why I feel that's where I feel the diabetes world dangles in your in front of your face is new tech. And I'm not trying to be ugly. I just mm-hmm. we don't need the new PlayStation, guys. We need a solution. Yeah. So that's what I, I always kind of make that connection because it really is They're like, oh, look at this new pump. And listen, I love where the new tech has come. I do. But it still does not fix my kid who's allergic to the insulin that that tech uses. Oh, yeah. So there's, and I was just, like I said, talking with my happy hour crew last night and the advancements in technology and somebody who's newly diagnosed, man, it is a game changer considering where we've got, how we've, where we've come from. Mm-hmm. But again, there's, there's a lot of other things out there that we could be spending money on to improve quality of lives. Yeah. I want to, I want the diabetes community to unite. Yep. Under the blue circle, nobody even knows what that is, but unite, you know, I know we have so many different nonprofits, but we have got to be like the new breast cancer, right? We've got to be that pink ribbon. We've got to come together because if not, I don't think we just, 
there, there's never going to be a solution if we don't bond together. So this November, we're going to speak out. We have to. We have to. And, you know, if you look at the statistics when it comes to, I'm not going to say that because I don't like how it's worded, but the number of people that will be diagnosed for the next couple of decades, if mm-hmm. you're not taking this seriously now by 2040, yep. it's one in three. Yep. One in three. And if we We're only use already in my case. That's already true, right? I had three, not until last year, I had three kids, two of them, two all I had two, I doubled that. But still, it's, it's, it's real. It's really happening. I also think that, you know, COVID probably could make it play a big part in new diagnoses, right? A lot of times during flu season and such, you see an onset of diabetic, newly oh, yeah. diagnosed diabetics. And so please, if you're having symptoms, get checked because, you know, the COVID could be that trigger. Okay, one last thing for real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is okay so i have interviewed um trish winters she and her husband who have two boys both were diagnosed with type one they did i mean i don't know what the correct term really is but they, they looked at their genet their dna and they oh. knew that all of their children they had the perfect combination of really diabetes. and those are my words not hers and i'm sorry trish to mess that up but with that being said you know they made some choices so did you and your husband have you had that type of dna testing we did actually. I'm so I should have touched on that. We did have full exome sequencing. Okay. They drew my blood, my husband's blood, Baker, my oldest type one, his blood, and Thatcher's. Nothing came of it. We had one random variant that I carry. It's a metabolic mitochondrial metabolic thing, but there's not there's no significant evidence or for that variant. There's no studies out there. I'm healthy for the you know, I believe I'm healthy. I don't have any issues metabolically that they would see with this genetic. Yeah. So mutation, so they don't believe that it's anything to do with his, what's going on with him. He doesn't have, so yeah, we, God help us if we have another diabetic, if, you know, we know we're full aware, but yeah, if we would have been told that we probably would have not, but we did have the testing before we had Collier. So great point. Yeah. Yeah. And I still, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have children. Should you have that genetic makeup? I mean, teach their own right. decisions, but I think it's just one of those that I never knew that those tests could be done to determine whether or not your other yeah. children were most likely have diabetes. So it's not really having the children, it's them growing up and being on their own two feet. That's what's scary. That's what's really scary. Okay. Well, Kayla, again, thank you so much. I look forward to hearing the progress because I really feel like people are going to step up and we're going to figure out a way so that Thatcher has a a more pleasant time. I can't wait to have another talk with you and us saying that we found a solution. Yes. I look forward to interviews like that myself. So please keep me in, in the loop. Will do. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye. Bye. Wow. (laughs) This family has one hell of a story and hopefully by sharing it, they will encourage the medical community to dive deep into bettering their unique situation. Here's my call to action. Research institutes, medical teams, and other health gurus, they need your help. So please check out the show notes to learn more about how you can get involved. Before I wrap up, I have a few quick reminders. Number one, my affiliate page would love to feature your brand. So hit us up at Penelope at diabetesdailygrind.com for details. Number two, I know you're listening and thank you so much. So be kind and throw a little change my way. Funds raised help keep the website, podcast, and advocacy efforts afloat. And finally, I'm here for my diapeeves and the medical community. So feel free to contact me on any social media platform or directly at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Your continued support and love are the reason I keep the episodes coming. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. 